welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me, Shane Bishop. My name's Mike Wooten. We're grateful that you're joining us today. Now, I need to start this off by asking the very important question. Shane, how are you doing today? Fantastic, Mike. Doing great. Notice you have a Chicago Bears hat on here. Yeah. You know, kind of as baseball season starts. I mean, I, I kind of feel like no. football season's over. I mean, so kind of where okay. are we here? Is this is this kind of a, 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 a testimony to your love of the game even off-season? What have we got going here, well, Mike? Well, the Bears have something very big about to happen. What do they have? The draft is coming up. We have the number one pick in oh. the NFL draft. I'll tell you what, they had to work hard to get that, didn't they? I mean, you got to lose a lot of games to have the number one draft in the NFL, or the number one pick in the NFL draft. Yeah. So there's some excitement around that. There's some excitement around that, but I am a Bears fan pretty much, you know, 365 days a year. So, so you know anything about who they might be drafting? I well, mean, I think they're going to trade down. They already have their quarterback, right? Justin Fields out of Ohio State. Yes. Very good quarterback. A little bit more of a runner right now, but I think he's going to do fine pass. And we have so many holes on the team. Just like you said, it takes a whole lot to actually lose that many games. So uh, trade back, get some picks, and get some new uh, young players. That, I think, will be the plan. Yeah, it sounds like a a good plan. You know, it's kind of interesting to me, Mike. A lot of times the high draft picks, you know, the high number one draft picks, uh, they often go quarterbacks, and they often go to pretty bad teams. So a guy like Justin Fields is a quarterback on a pretty bad team. Mm-hmm. A lot of the later picks, those, those quarterbacks go to pretty good teams. I guess the upside is that young quarterback is going to get to start, but the downside yeah. is they're probably going to get the daylight speed out of them, and they're going to lose for the first time in their careers. Yeah, I also think there can be a lot of value in sitting on the bench. Like some of these yeah. quarterbacks that get drafted – uh, and they have to sit, for instance, up in a town north of Chicago that I don't like to really mention, but it ends with Bay. And uh, in, in Wisconsin, they had a quarterback, Hall of Fame quarterback, for like twenty some years. Then they had another young quarterback come in, but he didn't play for like three or four years. Right. And so, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's played for the last 15 or 16 or 17. Now they have another young quarterback that's been sitting around for three or four years, and he's starting to get all these rave reviews about what they think he's going to be. Sure. Doesn't do my Chicago Bears heart well, but I think there is some value for the younger guy sitting on the bench for a while. You know, Mike, it's kind of interesting. I look at uh, my career and your career mm-hmm. as pastors. You know, in, in a sense, uh, they just kind of threw me in. You know, I got out of seminary. I got thrown into a pretty large uh, charge back then. I mean, one church ran about 200. The other one ran about 100, which, you know, these days would be a mega church, but back then uh, weren't tiny. Right. And it's just sort of like they threw me in and said, good luck, kid. Yeah. Uh you had a small church for a while, but you've been here for a long time. So yeah. you've kind of got to, to learn and to sit in that two spot. Yeah. Uh, so in a sense, instead of starting for a team that maybe isn't yeah. winning much, you've kind of got to be that two spot on a, on a really, really good team. Yes. I, I think both have their advantages, but I, I do think sometimes you and I came up very differently. We did a, a whole, a differently. And to your credit, Shane, a lot of people who were given your type of responsibility, uh, obviously uh, an opportunity, it ate them alive or they yeah. just couldn't go much farther. So I do, 
I do think uh, just because someone's given the opportunity and maybe they are, you know, what some may refer to as talented, it doesn't mean they're going to go far. There's some internal factors that are that are in a person, uh, whether they're the number one or kind of sitting on the bench for a while that really go into making those type of people successful. Yeah, I think there's been some NFL quarterbacks who got drafted really, really early who got drafted to teams that did not have a line to protect them. Oh, gosh. And and I think they ended up with a fraction of yeah. the NFL career yes. that they should have had because uh, they were just thrown out there without the tools they needed. I'm yeah. not even saying to be successful. I'm saying to even compete. Yeah. And a lot of really good quarterbacks, high draft rounds, wash out early. I think I've seen that happen with pastors as well. You get people with a lot of talent, and you know the, they they end up in the Hooterville Pixley circuit, yeah. and they're isolated, and they're in churches maybe that uh, are pretty intractable and has some long term dysfunctions. Yeah, and they're not going to be able to straighten those out, and and they just get discouraged. And to use uh, a metaphor, they wash out of the league, and right. it really is kind of tragic. So, so Shane, like me, just talking with you, what? Uh, you've been doing this for a while. Thanks. A little bit. You, you worked hard. Uh, there's no doubt that God's favor, you know, has been a lot uh, along, uh, has touched you along the way. But what factors do you think for you were really important to kind of get you uh, not to get, you know, washed up uh, right away with the responsibility you were given? You know, right out of seminary, I had the opportunity to jump on staff with a senior pastor who I really, really liked and respected. Or just to take my chances on my own appointment. I would say nine out of 10 times, the right thing would have been to jump on staff, just to to get some seasoning. I hate to say it, but to kind of have a net under the flying trapeze, to have somebody keep the wolves off of you. Yeah. I think nine out of 10 times. And the only thing I can tell you, Mike, is that as I prayed about it, um, I felt the Lord leading me to just take church. And so uh, I would not advise people to go the route I did because I think it was fairly tough. It was a pretty tough journey. A lot of people did wash out. I think the process sort of built some uh, uh, fortitude in me. Uh, and, and I ended up doing okay. But uh, it's kind of like you see on TV, somebody's on a bicycle and they do like 15 loop-to-loops off a cliff and it says, don't try this at home. That's kind of how I am with that. What really fascinates me about you and your story, Shane, is that, uh, let me just kind of bring it my way into what you were talking about. When you're in like a number two chair, there is some protection. If you accept the protection, it's there so that development may occur for Mm -hmm. the person. You developed, though, uh, in the midst of you being the number one guy, if you will. And uh, I, I know you've said in the past that you didn't grow Christ Church, but you've had the honor to grow with Christ Church. And I don't know if that's kind of what you mean, too, is that as you developed, the church was developing at the same time. Uh, but I do find that fascinating how you developed over the years, even though you didn't have a whole lot of uh, protection that I know of. Yeah, when I came here in 1997, uh, I was preaching to 350 people a week previously in two churches. Uh, Everybody thought I got this huge raise because I went from open-air country to uh, the Metro East near St. Louis. They, they thought I got this huge promotion. But the reality is uh, I was preaching to 150 less people a week. Uh, Christ Church here uh, ran about 200. Uh, 
it didn't feel like a promotion to me. It felt like an opportunity, not a promotion. And I think a lot, Mike, if I had been preaching to those 350 people and then I would have been moved to this church the size it is now, I wouldn't have had a chance. I would not have had a chance. I would not have been ready in any way, shape, or form. Every single week, something happens that would have made me go out back and throw up 20 years ago. And you, you sort of grow into the role. And that's what I really think has happened with me. I just was here. The church was small. And I have grown with the church. And it seems to me when God asks something of me as a leader, I, I find myself ready for it. But it's been a growing process. I was never, I never received a great church in the sense of, you know, entitlement, mm -hmm. you know, you know, that, that somehow I got this incredible, credible deal. Yeah. It, it never was like that. It, it was just always go where you are, bloom where you planted, right. grow with the church, grow into the role. And that's been my journey. Well, yeah. Were, were there a lot of people or were there any people around you that were really important when you first got here to the church that kind of helped you in your development? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think in any congregation, you begin to see pretty quickly mm -hmm. uh, who is, is, is for you, mm -hmm. who's not going to be for you, who you're going to resonate with and who you aren't. And when I was appointed here in, in 1997, I mean, I think it was pretty common. Pastors stayed somewhere three to five years and, and they rolled out. Right. And, and so there was always this kind of uh, subliminal idea that, you know, you go into a congregation, if the fit isn't great, you just wait them out. <laughs> you know, we're just going to wait the pastor out. Right. I, I, I don't know how many people have said to me over the years when I first started, you know, I was here before you got here. I'll be here after you leave. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there was truth to that 99% of the time. Mm -hmm. And then I remember, you know, being here five years and it was about the normal time that you would expect to go. And I just remember there was just sort of a, a block of people here, and about half of them decided that I should stay. And about the other half kind of decided it's about time to try someone else, you know? <laughs> and uh, and as that kind of happened, the opportunity to, to step out of the template mm. was, was afforded to me. And it was sort of like instead of going and saying, where am I going to go? It was sort of like, hey, I got, I got a chance to stay. And I remember uh, being at a conference in Indianapolis, and, and I was there. There was a person there that I had a lot of respect for. And they, I, I, they didn't know me from Adam. Right. You know, I knew who yeah. they were. They didn't know me from Adam. The, the person stopped, looked at me, took maybe a minute and a half, just took an interest in me, which you know felt pretty good at the time. Right. And he said, hey, I had a name tag on. He said, hey, Shane, tell me about your situation. I said, hey, I'm in uh, near St. Louis on the Illinois side, have a church that ran about 200 five years ago. We're uh, about 400 now, and uh, God's really blessing it. Yeah. And he looked at me straight in the eye, Mike, and he said, you stay there and build a great church. So uh, it was kind of a prophetic mm. word in a sense. And, and I don't chart my course on prophetic words, but yeah. it did confirm yeah. something that God already had in my heart. Right. And so I, I think after year five, you just decide, okay, I'm going to stay and let's see what happens. And the rest kind of became history. 
Yeah, I know for me in the role that I have here at the church, I don't know if I was ever, I was never officially prepared for it, you know, to be an associate. I didn't even really know what that meant whenever I got uh, kind of sent here a long, long time ago. But when I look back on my time when I first started my relationship with Christ, I was side by side with the pastor for three years. Uh, I was just an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kind of guy. Uh, I honestly thought that when people came to faith shame, that everyone, especially this is how naive I was for the first 18 months. I thought everyone hung out with a pastor all the time for like a year and a half. Yeah. I was so naive. I'd been out of church for a long time. I went there when I was a child. I was a part of church when I was a child and even in the junior high. But I was just so naive to it. As time was going on, I, I realized God was equipping me for something. And I do think like as I started to understand you know, some people will call it the second command role, number two, whatever it is, assisting the the senior pastor. Uh, I realized that was probably more helpful to me than I had ever understood before. Um, uh, that has really helped me in this context that we're in right now. And and even Shane, one of the things you've encouraged me, and it really took me years to get, is that being in the number two role is that there is some protection that you give me. There is some protection that comes and. Uh, I, I just had to learn how to accept that. And then what I think I've done personally is learned how to develop while that protection is kind of out there for me. So that's kind of from charting my course back from when I was just a teenager and to what I had to learn, you know, six, seven years ago. It really helped me a lot in my role here now. Well, I think where the quarterback uh, and backup metaphor breaks down in ministry is somebody who is a elite associate, uh, they're not on the bench waiting for the job. Uh, that job That's may right. never come to them. In fact, lead associates that take over a church are, are infinitesimally small in percentage. Mm-hmm. What's important is that that lead associate finds their own role yeah. to add value to the team. People that sit around waiting for the next thing or the next promotion or this or that, yeah. they live their whole life in perpetual disappointment. I think a lot of it, Mike, and what I love that you've done here is, is you said, hey, uh, this is what's in front of me. This is what is available to me. This is the role that maybe I could fill or could fill someday, but it's not right now. Right. So how can I add value? Right. How can bloom. I use my gifts to add value and move the needle of the mission? Bloom, bloom where you're planted, like you said earlier. And I do think for people, um, you know, if this applies to someone out there who's kind of not in a lead role, you just got to, you kind of got to slow down and self-evaluate because if you try to keep achieving, if you're trying to get something that's not yours, you're just going to keep running into a wall and you're not going to develop. You're going to be obsessed with the grass is always greener. Here's what I know from your life, Shane. Uh, being the lead guy, there's a lot of pressure there. Yeah. There's there's a lot to carry. And uh, the idea of just uh, switching over to a role like that, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult. So uh, I think people, there's a contentment. Right, like yes. contentment that everyone has to find, and I would say anyone who's in, in a similar role to mine is that you got to find that contentment. And when you do, I think the you're going to understand the opportunities that are in front of you. Yeah, I, you know, when I was younger, Mike, I would look at these uh, pastors of these big mega churches, and I would seriously sometimes think to myself, I'm a better preacher than they are, and I may have been, but you know what? It's one thing to drive a car around the track; it's something else to build the car. These were the guys who built the car, yeah. you know, and I'm sitting there thinking I could drive it better than the guy that built it. Who really cares? They just right. don't drive me driving that car till they're tired of it. Sure. And so for me, it was always this, this idea of, uh, of it's not just skill set. 
A part of it is just the role. Uh, the easiest thing I do is preach and teach. That's the easiest thing that I do. It's also what 95% of the people here see. Mm-hmm. But all the other things, all the other heavy lifting, and all of the things to, to take organization that's this big and this complex mm-hmm. to keep it on mission to make sure it's properly financed to come up with just the the vision of the church mm-hmm. uh, what is God calling us to what's the great next about to be uh, those kind of things uh, come with a way because I think Mike leaders Christian leaders have one thing in common God asks Christian leaders to do things they cannot do without the help of others hmm so you're always yes. humbled yep. by that. You know, we're in a thing called 500, which is an evangelism campaign. Well, God laid on my heart to, to get 500 people, compel 500 people to be a part of evangelism campaign. I'm one. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like God asked me to do something. It was more like God asked me to do something that could not be accomplished without 499 other people. Right. And so a lot of the load you carry is unseen. And I think uh, pastors who carry it well uh, don't walk around, you know, with their hair disheveled and looking like they're under the weight of the world. I think you just learn to carry it and you learn to to walk in it. But for me, the complexity of the role is something you do grow into. And I think that senior pastors who have had a season at the two spot Mm -hmm. are particularly and uniquely equipped to step into the one spot someday, whether it be at that church or somewhere else, because they know the ecclesiastical economy, particularly of a very, very large church or a mega church. Absolutely. And I think there's an, in my spot, there's an empathy that's built up with having to work with other departments. Oh, sure. And figuring out the, the, what, you know, everyone's carrying some type of burden. Absolutely. and, And figuring those out. Uh, but, I, you know, Shane, it's just so important, I think, that a person just figure out what role of the team they play and just accept that role. That's what, as we talk right now, that's what keeps coming to my mind. If it's, uh, you know, number two, number three, if whatever role someone's in, they just got to accept it. And when they do, I think life gets a whole lot easier. And I think we have to move out of, uh, I think sometimes we, we think in business terms <laughs> and we just throw a little baptismal water on it and act like it's of the Lord. Yeah. But the reality is there, there's not hierarchical structure uh, in, in the kingdom. Now, in the church, there's a, a certain mm-hmm. amount. You know, the Bible says that there's bishops and elders mm-hmm. and deacons and, and those kind of things. Yeah. And it says to do things decently and in order. But as far as I'm concerned, Mike, some of the most effective Christians I've ever met were lay people. And when we get to heaven someday, you know, I think when we walk by the really nice sections, yeah, uh, we're going to find that the inhabitants aren't the people we've heard of. Well, Shane, whenever I was feeling called to be a pastor, I really questioned the type of kingdom. Im- I thought I could have more kingdom impact just as a lay person. Sure. I really did, because once someone hears that a person is a pastor, there's all the baggage that comes right. with it, all the expectations. Sometimes it's hard to articulate the gospel for that person to receive it clearly because of all that other baggage that's out there. Absolutely. And I think people called to ministry, first of all, have received a unique calling, a difficult calling, something that's impossible uh, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think your point that you've made throughout this particular show is I think the real task is wherever it is that God has put you and with the opportunities and influence you may have at the moment, the idea is how can I best serve God right now? 
with what God has given me. The more time you sit and think about, I could really serve God if, you know, if only I was at this church, if only I was better at this or that. The reality is, uh, if you can't get her done now, you won't get her done later either. Find a place to serve. Know what your gifts are. Look at your context and crack at it. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We'd love to hear you more from you. You can review our podcast at podbean.com, or you can go to Apple Podcasts for that as well. If you want to hear more from Shane, make sure you visit revshanebishop.com or me, revmikewoo.com. We would love, we will talk with you next time. Make sure that you keep the change.